This week on Unashamed. So many opportunities to die that day, and it didn't happen. So then I realized it's a wake-up call. And for people to think it's an easy way out, it's not. It's a lot to think that you're going to not be here tomorrow. That's coming up now on Unashamed. I'm Teresa Weekly. This week I'm sharing a conversation with a woman who almost exactly a year ago tried to end her life. She survived and although she's not ready to talk with all of her friends and family about what happened, she did want to share it with me hoping that it would help. I am concealing her identity to protect that privacy. She told me that after hearing about what happened with my sister and her suicide also almost exactly a year ago, she realized that her family could be going through what my family and I are going through now. I'm calling you Kathleen to protect your identity because this isn't something that everyone who's close to you knows about, um, as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. Who have you talked to about what happened? Um, really that day um, are the only people that know exactly what happened. And that was my husband, my daughter, and her boyfriend. And I did call my mother from Pine Rest to tell her I was in the hospital. Um, I didn't give her the details. And then I have a sister who's been a great support system with my husband. And she doesn't know all the details, but she knows quite a bit. So there's only really three people that know exactly what happened that day. Why do you want to talk about this with me? and haven't felt comfortable sharing it with more people in your circle? I really feel like, just like you, you know, it's almost like an intervention because I'm going on my one year, as well as you losing your sister. There must be a reason for this because I knew February was going to be very tough for me. Um, and I didn't know how I was gonna get through it, but I think this is a sign. And I know it's different talking to strangers than it is talking to people in your circle too. Well, sometimes it's easier in a weird way, yeah. you know? Well, I appreciate you feeling comfortable with me to, to share this, and, um, and I do think it will be so important for people to hear it too. Yeah. Um, and I hope it helps you too. Even just knowing that you're here okay. <laughs> helps me. Okay. What was in your head, in your heart, a year ago? I think I had really battled um, a dark place for about eight months. So this grew for quite a while. Um, I ultimately knew that... People can't stay with you 24-7, and you're gonna be left with your own thoughts and your own day and whatever. And that really becomes overwhelming. And I realized a year ago during therapy at Pine Rest that I don't believe in bullying at all. I don't. And it actually sickens me to think of someone's getting bullied and all of a sudden I realized I have been bullying myself for all these years. 
And if it took over 50 years to feel this way, I know it's not going to be a quick fix. I know that. But I've stopped bullying myself. I've stopped um, thinking I'm not worthy or not enough or... Interesting though, I knew I was loved. That's not a question. I know how much everyone loves me and loved me, but at the end of the day, you are there by yourself. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get through this anymore. And I didn't have proper medication. I didn't have proper therapy. And I think with both of those, those are helping right now and a really strong support system. So that particular day, I just had really had enough. And I had thought about it long enough that I finally just thought, you know what, you gotta do this. Just don't be afraid. I was kind of at peace about it. I mean, when you're looking death in the face, I mean, you have to be strong to do that. And for people to think it's an easy way out, it's not. It's a lot to think that you're going to not be here tomorrow. And those I was leaving behind, I knew that. But the pain and the hurt and the darkness I had been feeling for so long, I couldn't do it anymore. I really couldn't. So I got intoxicated so that I could go through with it drinking a half a bottle of tequila. I found the guns in the house, which were removed eight months prior when I almost had an issue with the guns. We had to remove all the guns and hide the keys. So the guns were removed, but the rifles and the shotguns were not. And I found the keys to the rifles and I barricaded myself in the bedroom and I was trying desperately to load them, but I've never done it, putting shots in before, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't succeeding. So I drove to another location, which was our cabin up north, and I don't remember the drive. I remember maybe two little snippets of the drive, which is scary because it was this weather. There were people on the road. And I knew they'd be looking for me, so I took the back way in to our cabin, and I got to the cabin, and no heat, and freezing cold, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. That was my happy place, and I got the gun case down, and I knew the combination, and I tried it a couple times and it wouldn't open. And by then, I heard my neighbor up there knocking at the door. And behind her was a sheriff. And I panicked. Um, oddly enough, though, the gun was not in the case. It was in the shelf directly above the case. And I wasn't meant to see it. You know, I, I just, I was looking for the case and I didn't see the gun itself. So I went up to the loft and I put sleeping bags around me and 
I developed hypothermia when they found me because it took six hours or so to get into the cabin because they had to send a robot in and they knew I was armed. So it was a really big deal, unfortunately, and I affected a lot of people's lives up there. Um, and then they rushed me to the hospital um, where I had hypothermia and a doctor asking me if I had tried killing myself tonight and I said yes. And I remember a nurse stroking my head saying, you shouldn't have to live like this. You should not have to live like this. Last thing I remember, and I woke up the next day and they're transporting me to Pine Rest where I was admitted for five days. So I don't remember a lot of it, unfortunately, but I, I do know though, I was going up north for a purpose because I knew there was a handgun up there and that I'd be able to handle. I knew that. So, so many opportunities to die that day and it didn't happen. So then I realized it's a wake up call. Like you're supposed to be here. You were supposed to be here. I didn't know why, but I'm like, you know what? Now the hard work begins because I, I really didn't see past that day. I was going to be gone. I didn't have to worry about anything beyond that. No therapy, you know, explaining myself to people and making amends with family. Having the kids see me that day, um, they're still not over it. So seeing you and your family, I realize how tough it is even though I didn't succeed that day. How much worse it would have been for them if you had? Because I barricaded myself in my room and I don't know how my daughter got in, but she did and she had to see the rifles and when I couldn't get them loaded, I threw them and they were literally two of them stuck in the wall. And what a sight for your daughter. And I did text though, I did text her like, I'm going to shoot myself and I remember too sending the same message to my husband and he's like just hold on I'll be there in a little bit he can't leave his job and I sent him a picture of the rifles and he came home immediately um, but by then I was gone I got myself out, I saw the keys hanging in and I just fled. So I don't know why I reached out for them that last second. I don't know why. I was intoxicated so I don't really know why. Yeah. Have they talked to you about anything they noticed leading up to that or did it catch them completely by surprise? It caught everyone by surprise, even my husband, which I know that sounds weird, but I kind of had the Robin Williams syndrome, you know, you're always happy, you're always joking, um, and I could hide it well. I still can, um, but from therapy, they've taught my husband what to look for, and he knows what to look for and if he sees a red flag and I'm not saying something to my therapist 
he will call my therapist and say, listen, is she being straight up front with you? Because I'm noticing her pulling away or getting quiet or not herself. And the signs now are there for the immediate family. They now know what to look for. But unfortunately, I can still hide it, but not with my therapist. I have the best therapist and I can be 100% honest with him. And I think I do that because I don't want to worry the family. Um, I know I was out a couple weeks ago and they couldn't contact me by phone and everyone's very worried, you know, when I had just taken myself, because I'm pretty homebound, you know, I'm, I quarantine 100%. And I had just taken myself out for a ride and sat by a river and they're now fearful when they can't reach me, you know, and that makes me sad because it is still present it's still in our life one of the questions um, that I think anybody who has lost somebody has is is there something that I could have done to, to stop this um, was there something that day that anybody could have done short of tying your hands behind your back um, had they known what was going through your mind no one did. Um, you know how people, you get busy in your life and everyone was busy in their lives and I knew nobody knew. <laughs> um, but that day, there was nothing anyone could have done. You know, I really planned this for eight months and then a month of how am I really, you know, making the plan of how I'm gonna do this and being brave enough to do it. Not knowing exactly what day, just knowing that when the opportunity arose. Right, everyone was on the house, everyone was working that day. Was there anything about that day that pushed you further to that place or? No. isn't that weird? I think those feelings had been that strong, but I had been fighting that urge and finally when you are in that rabbit hole and it is so dark I no longer saw the light up there it was darkness and uh, at first I was really afraid of that darkness and then because that's all it was that particular day and had been for a while I knew I was going to succumb to it it was just evil. At one point, I actually thought I saw red eyes to my left. And I knew, I knew it was close. I did. And unfortunately, there's nothing anyone could have done that day. What is it that helps you now the most? Stopping feeling that presence and that darkness? I use coping skills and the coping skills were odd at first but now they come second nature and having a really strong support system I have you know f about four people that I could literally call at any moment like even a month ago um, having a really bad day 
I called a friend and when he picked up, he couldn't even hardly understand me. And it didn't matter, he just kept talking me through it. You know, you're gonna be okay. Take a breath, you're okay. And I know I have those people in my life. That's huge. Especially my husband, I can't say enough about him. He's amazing. He may not understand everything, but he supports me 100%, no matter what day I'm having. I can still have about four or five good days and then two or three days where it's really difficult still after a year. So I think for me, having the coping skills and having the support system, and it's kind of nice we're in a pandemic because I need the quiet and I need not of a lot of activity or people coming over that it has really been weird how this has turned out in my life. That's so interesting because so many people have likened or said that being in a pandemic has been so hard on their mental health because yeah. they're not seeing as many people. Yeah. So it's had the opposite effect for you. Yes. Well, you don't have the stress of having a dinner party or something like, like right. that or entertaining people. Right. Is that part of it? Yes. I mean, when I got out of Pine Rest, there was COVID. I came home to there was COVID. And I'm like, this is kind of nice because I don't want a lot of company right now. You know, I don't want to talk about it. And I didn't get out of bed for maybe a month or two. And then I would start getting up just to take a bath or exercise or say my prayers, um, brush my teeth, the basic things. I couldn't do all four of those ever in a day. And I still can't. But I took baby steps. I knew I had to be careful and treat myself with tender hands because I knew how fragile I was. Yeah, and I still have to keep myself and my emotions in check every single solitary day. And I wish I didn't have to, but I have to. And I think less about that day. You know, I can go a couple days now and I haven't thought about it where I was thinking about it every day. And that lasted about 10 months. So I've only been a month or two of just not even thinking about it every day. What do you want people to know about this struggle from, from your perspective? You don't always know what someone, someone is going through. And although I have a smile on my face and I appear happy, some people are not. And I really wish people could talk about it more. I mean, why didn't I tell more people? Why don't more people know about what happened? And I feel like people would think you're crazy instead of it's mental illness. I've had depression and anxiety as long as I can remember. But why it came to a head, I don't know. And why I didn't share with anybody, I don't know. It became a very personal thing. It was gonna be my decision and my decision alone. 
So especially now during a pandemic, just realize that maybe people are really struggling. And if you can, reach out to that person and check in on them. And I get that from people now. And I check in on them. It's not just me needing to be checked on, but I now know how important it is just to check in with somebody. A simple text. I've got, you know, where one person, we just send an emoji, how are you feeling this day? And we get an emoji back and that's all because we don't always feel like we can talk. And so mental illness is mental illness. It's not that you're crazy and you can't control your emotions or you can't control yourself. It is an illness. Just like someone else is diagnosed with a heart problem or another health ailment. Mental illness is a disease and I didn't know that. I didn't understand a lot about it until I went to Pine Rest and they said it's an illness. It's a diagnosis. And it helped me feel better. That I don't just feel like you're weak and you're crazy. Was there a time when someone did something that was just, maybe they didn't mean it, but it was just inconsiderate or it triggered something for you because? No, it didn't. No. Um, I can't say it, that ever happened. Do you think you notice more what's going on with other people's behaviors now? I do, I do. Absolutely. When it's been too quiet for too long, even a week, you know, I realize this pandemic is getting to people, mm -hmm. you know, even though I love it, <laughs> um, it's hard for people. So I do see it differently as well as when I'm better, I want to be able to help people that are struggling maybe when they get out of treatment but I have to be strong first to be able to do that you told me over the phone that you have decided that you want to be here mm -hmm. what is it like to know that you've made that decision and also know that just because you've made that decision doesn't mean it's gonna be easy right so many things that day didn't line up. So I get the signs. I, I get that, <laughs> you know. It took me a while to understand why it didn't happen. Um, it took me a, a little bit to realize I'm gonna be here and the work is gonna be hard, but there are people going through worse things and they're doing it and I'm like I can do this I can do this and after a while I just realized you know what you got this you got this you can do this and it was as clear as day for me afterwards I'm like okay well okay I get it I get it now you also said that when you're in that place in that rabbit hole and you don't see the light and you just feel the darkness and it kind of feels like like you said once you made the decision you don't have to worry about how you were going to talk about this with your family right. or um i think that can be the cloud for 
people who are considering suicide as someone who has started to come out on the other side of that you are on the other side of it yeah um what would you say to someone who's not there yet who's doesn't want to have to think about the mountain and climbing this mountain and that that they don't want to be at the point where they're at the foot of the mountain looking up and trying to figure out how they're going to get to the top i would say baby steps baby baby steps um I guess convincing them as much as I could that I'm living proof that you can get through it. And I know it's not going to work for everybody because I know at that point in my life there was no changing my mind either. Um, I would hope something I said or just being there for them might trigger something that says, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I can do it like her. But I do know it's hard to convince somebody. You know, it would have been hard to convince me that day. Had anyone tried in the weeks leading up to that? Had you had any conversations? When... So eight months prior to this, I knew I was getting really bad and I kept thinking about the guns and how I was going to end my life that I drove myself to Pine Rest. That's unheard of, they said. Not a single family member knew I was going. I mean, they had to call my husband and say where I was. He's like, what? I think... After that, they started seeing the signs, but I would fake it. I was still faking it and covering it up. So I think they knew what to look for, but even more so after a year ago when I tried. Now family is very tuned in to how I'm feeling, how I'm acting. What are the, some of the things they tell you that, that help? Um, my husband especially will notice that I'm getting um, super short and angry and I can't handle a lot and um, everything around me is too much. That's when he says, hey, you wanna go for a walk? Do you wanna go for a car ride? Um, He'll also notice if I'm quiet too long. If I go two or three days where I'm not talking or interacting, then we sit down and we talk. And it has opened up our communication so much. There's not a topic we can't talk about now. And so I can tell him I'm having a crummy day, um, but I try not to do that too much because I don't want to ruin his day or ruin his week because of how I'm feeling so that's kind of why I fake it and hide it he's got to be drained after a year of taking care of me that I worry about him so I still can cover it up but we're doing better about seeing the signs and I'm doing better about catching myself right away and that's something I couldn't do before, and I've learned how to do that 
and I can stop myself if he's at work and nobody's here it's just me mm -hmm. I gotta do this and I've learned how to stop myself get outside I need that fresh air to hit me get me calmed down and then I can go about my day um, I'm so glad that you're still here Thank you. to share this. I know your family feels the same way. Thank you. You are a living proof that you can get through this. Yeah. And I know that you will continue to fight the fight, but um, your family loves you and we're all blessed that you're still here. So thank you. Thank you for talking to me about this Absolutely. today. Absolutely. I hope it helps. I hope it helps you and your family and I hope it can help someone listening I do I think it will that's why I did this today you know I really hope it helps I hope you're able to open up um, as much as you want with the people who are close to you do because you shouldn't feel embarrassed and it isn't an, it's an illness like yes. you said and they, they sh should know that yeah yeah um, thank you you're <laughs> so welcome you're so welcome as she said it's important to reach out to the people around you because you just really never know what someone could be going through even if it's an acquaintance who happens to pop into your mind give them a call shoot them a text send them some sort of message to let them know that you're thinking about them because you never know what kind of an impact it could have if you'd like alerts for when new episodes of Unashamed are available, you can subscribe to this podcast now. And remember to be nice. Notice, invite, challenge, and empower others. Notice what is right and different. Notice changes lasting two weeks or longer. This could be a mental health concern. These could be psychological changes, behavioral changes, or physical changes. Learn more about each step of the action plan at benice.org.